0: Welcome to day seven, and as we start this night, let's just, just pull your chair ahead, just pull your chair ahead so that the others can also come ahead. Thank you, thank you so much. As we start tonight, let's just pray and let's just believe that the Lord will speak to us afresh. You know, I have been a little intentional about, about Trying to limit how much I'm going to teach during this time, because uh, the Lord specifically asked me not to go into, uh, you know, a, a teaching mode during this time. You know, it is specifically for a time of worship. It is for a time of rejoicing in the presence of God. It's for a time of celebration. It's a, it's for a time of committing our hearts before God and surrendering ourselves completely before God. Um, The only purpose for us reading scriptures, you know, uh, reading the book of Joel is so that we have a hang of what the Lord is realigning in our lives and where are we going to, from where to where we are going, where we were and where we ought to be, from where to where the Lord is transitioning us. It is not so that you will have a three-point sermon or a five-point message that you can go back and uh, and say that this is what I learned today. This is You can take down notes. You can take down whatever you learn. But at the same time, it is only for us to have a fresh perspective as to where the Lord is taking us together as a church in this season. I believe that the Lord is speaking to us from the book of Joel and from the book of James in this season. And I pray and I hope that Uh, that we would almost kind of memorize this entire book because we are reading it every day, right? All these days we are reading all these scriptures over and over and over again. So I pray that uh, by the end of this fasting prayer, especially those that are tuned in and those that are here on a daily basis, you would almost know the book of Joel, uh, you know, in the back of your head. You know, you would just know... Every word, you know, where what God is speaking from, where and what God is doing, amen. Uh, we are in the book of Joel, chapter one, and verse one onwards. Let me greet the online audience and and say that it's such a pleasure to have all of you join us. May the Lord continue to speak to each and every one of you and. Uh, Um, I know that most of you are watching on your phones or your tablets or or your televisions and you may not be able to necessarily pull up your uh, scriptures as quickly and that is why we are making sure the scriptures come on your screen so that you are also able to read along with us from wherever you are. Uh, Do not just, um, you know, uh, just see the scriptures and leave it or let it be but read it along with us even if you are at home. Amen. That's the, uh, that's the rule in our house, right? Uh, when there is a scripture on the screen, what do we do? We read them together. Joel chapter 1 and verse 1 from the New Living Translation. The Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Petuel. Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land, in all your history, has anything like this happened before? Tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. After the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, the swarming locusts took what was left and after them came the hopping locusts and then came the stripping locusts too. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail all you wine drinkers, all the grapes are ruined and all your sweet wine is gone. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land, a terrible army too numerous to count. Its teeth are like lion's teeth, its fangs like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapevines and ruined my fig trees. Stripping their bark and destroying it Leaving the branches white and bare Weep now like a bride dressed in black mourning the death of her husband For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of the Lord So the priests are in mourning the ministers of the Lord are weeping the fields are ruined the land is stripped bare, the grain is destroyed, the grapes have shriveled and the olive oil is gone. So despair all you farmers, wail all you wine growers, weep before, because the wheat and the barley, all the crops of the fields are ruined, the grapevines have dried up. And the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up. And the people's joy has dried up with them. Dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come, spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. That is where we finished yesterday. And all through this, we've been seeing the problems. We've been seeing what is lacking. We've been seeing that God is exposing those areas where the enemy has a potential to attack us, has a potential to separate us, has a potential to destroy us, has a potential to steal from us has a potential to kill our fruitfulness, has a potential to kill our harvest, our gathering. This is a year of gathering. So if our gathering needs to come, our sowing needs to be in order, our fields need to be in place, our land needs to be protected. And so the Lord is exposing all those areas. Now we are going a little more into the solution aspect of it. What is God trying to give as an answer and saying, hey, you need to get these things sorted. You need to get these things right, in the right place. You need to fix these areas of your life. Let's go to the next verse, verse 14. The Bible says, Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to Him there. So what is God asking us to do? He's asking us to announce a season or a time of fasting. That's the first thing God says. Announce a time of fasting. So, you know, if you read the previous verse, you would see that the Lord will first ask them to change their clothing The Lord says, change your clothing Dress yourself with burlap or with sackcloth or, and, and that was an external sign in those days That this person is in mourning Or that this person is in a season of loss That this person is a season of grieving That this person is, a se- is in a season of, of uh, sorrow You know, that was a sign when they would change their clothing. And this clothing, especially this particular clothing, was made out of sack. And you know you know how the, the sacks in which you bring grain or store stuff in, that's not very comfortable for your body. If you try to wear that on your body, it would leave rashes and marks because it's very harsh material. It's something that is uh, going to cause you to go out of your comfort zone. You know, we like to wear clothes that are comfortable for us, clothes that are going to be easy on our skin. And here the Lord is saying, hey, you need to transition from what is comfortable to you into something that is uncomfortable. And that is why we are fasting right now. That is why we are. We have given up physical food. Some of you have given up physical food. Some of you have given up sleep. Some of you have given up, your uh, time of work. Some of you have given up your other commitments during your daily activities, whatever you would be doing. Some of you have given up, you know, watching cricket or Netflix. Some of you have given up uh, cash, uh, your, your tithes, your, your daily altars. I, I've been noticing how some people are building altars on a daily basis in this season. Whatever sacrifices that the Lord has been leading you to make, whichever areas you've been, you've been sacrificing and, and, and you've been getting uncomfortable in this season, the Lord is going to cause those areas to be a testimony for you. The Lord is going to clothe you afresh in those areas. When you clothe yourself in burlap, when you clothe yourself in sackcloth, when you take a seat that is very uncomfortable for you, the Bible says, When you go to a place, when you go into a place of feast, of feasting, don't take the prominent, the most comfortable seat. Take a very uncomfortable, a seat that nobody else can see, a seat that is not very uh, familiar, and a place where nobody's going to praise you or appreciate you, a place where you are extremely low. Because anybody that humbles himself will be exalted, and anybody that exalts himself will be humbled. So the Lord is saying, if you are going to dress yourself in burlap, then I am going to come and I am going to give you a clothing of of celebration. I'm going to change your outward appearance. I'm going to change how you look in this season. I'm going to change how you know, people treat you in this season. I'm going to change how much honor and respect you get. I'm going to change every aspect of your life, provided you are willing to humble yourself. You know, something very, um, very unique about, uh, about um, a child of God is that a child of God carries a spirit of humility. um, You know, this is one thing that will be extremely different from the people of the world. Like the people of the world, you will find a lot of people that have a lot of integrity. You will find a lot of people that wouldn't pay a bribe or wouldn't do the wrong thing and all of that. But the one area where you would see a child of God different from the child of the world is that we carry a spirit of humility because we belong to Jesus. And Jesus was the most humble person. The Bible says he humbled himself to the point of death. Even to the point of death, he humbled himself. And because we are children of God, we, because we imitate Jesus, humility has to be a part and parcel of God. Sometime. Humility is something that that is going to make you stand out. That is going to make you stand different. You know, if you want to study it in detail, you have to go back and watch last Sunday evening's sermon by Pastor Shaiju on the, what is the sermon title? What is the title? The, uprooting the Nicolaitan uh, spirit. And... Uh, you have to watch that again if you have not watched it or if you've already watched it. In fact, I feel that those three sermons, these last three sermons, we have to play it in our church on Sunday morning. And that will, like, that will set all the problems correct, you know. And, and uh, so if you've not watched it already, you have to watch it so that by the time we play it in church, you're ready to re-receive it, yeah? You're ready to let it go deeper. And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to go back into it in detail, but one of the reasons why these guys, they will fast or they would change their appearance, they would put ash on their head, is to humble themselves, is to lower themselves, is to bring themselves to a point where they will, uh, you know, really uh, say that, hey, you know, I, I want to really... Um, I know that I'm not worthy of this blessing, and I want to, I want to come to a place where I, I repent of my mistakes. I repent for the mistakes of my city and my nation, and I repent for the mistakes of my family. I, I repent, and 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 we humble ourselves, and then we receive the grace and the forgiveness. The Bible says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now. Now here it says Announce a time of fasting Call the people together For a solemn meeting Now If you study the scripture You would find a lot of people Fasting in scripture But not very often Will you find people fasting together As a community You will not find that very often Tell me a few fasts from the Bible In Nineveh in Nineveh, they fasted and prayed for uh, what three and a, three days and three nights, or, or or something like that. They they fasted and repented and fasted. You know, it's it's crazy. It says that from the king to the infants, the animals, even they, everybody, they fasted and and they wept and they repented before God. What else? Which other place? Ezra's fast. There was a fast in the book of Ezra uh, if you read Ezra chapter 8 I think it's from verse 21 onwards it says how Ezra was taking a group of people from Babylon and returning back into Israel be returning back to Jerusalem and he did not want to ask the king for provisions of armed armored soldiers so so they fasted and prayed for protection okay the entire group of people they fasted and prayed so that the the, so that they will receive protection from God. Any other fast? Esther, Esther. Um, you know, when Esther had to go into the presence of the king, Esther uh, asked the maidens and all, the people in, all her f- people in the palace and Mordecai and all the Jews in the city to fast and to pray for her before she would go before the king. That was a, a community fast or so that was a corporate fast. What other, what other fasts do you see in the Bible that were community of a community fast, not just a single person fast? We know Jesus fasted, Moses fasted, Elijah fasted, uh, Daniel fasted. All of those were individual, one person fasts. But what other places do you see people fasting and praying together as a community? As a community, where else do you see people fasting and praying together? When the Israelites lost a war, and uh, uh, they fasted and prayed, the, the, so they were they were making war within themselves. There was this tribe of Benjamin that was at fault, and they had, the rest of the eleven tribes had gone into battle against the tribe of Benjamin. And I think that's the story that you read, right? On uh, uh, and and the rest of the tribes they went into. Um, no, sorry, that's not the story. The rest of the tribes, they, they went into battle against this uh, tribe of Benjamin. And then they they came back and they lost the battle like really bad. And so they fasted and prayed. And then they went into battle again. They, they lost the battle again. And then again, they've, they, they've, they fasted and prayed and they wept before God. And finally, after three attempts, they, they got the victory. So... Several times in scripture, you would see that when, when it is extremely critical, not always will God call the community into a, a, a corporate fasting. God would call them into a corporate fasting only when it is extremely critical. Usually, God would call one person up like a Moses. God would call him up the mountain where he will come in and, and God will give him what is necessary, what he needs to know, what he needs to understand and send him down. Uh, or, or, or God would bring in an Elijah or different people, you know, in different seasons that God would speak to and God would send them back. But only when it was extremely necessary did God call for a corporate fast where everybody has to be fasting and praying together. And that is the season that the Lord called us as a church into, that we do not fast just individually. That is why we are having meetings here every night. That is why we are. That is why we, I'm encouraging all of you to come and be partakers of what we are, what we are, what we are doing in this place, so that we can be of one accord and one mind. And whenever God's people have fasted and prayed together, okay, you know, whenever one person has fasted and prayed, they have seen a breakthrough in their life. But whenever God's people have fasted and prayed together as a community. The entire community has seen a shift. The entire community, not just one person. The best example would be, you know, uh, this this fasting and praying that they did in the days of Samuel. You know, uh, the Bible talks about how the whole nation came together and they fasted and prayed. and, and, And they all repented before God. On that particular day and and Samuel was telling them hey guys look at this look at how with what integrity I have led you guys and what I have how I have I, I have judged till today and you know there the revival was so crazy the Bible says as Samuel spoke there was visible signs In heavens, and there was thunder and 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 rain, and the whole nation realized that God is speaking and God is moving among them. So it was not just a private revelation. See, when Elijah fasted and prayed, he received a private revelation. But when the entire nation fasted and prayed, it was something that was public, and it was something that was uh, available for everybody to experience. The other translations of this particular verse, they would use the word, consecrate a fast. ESV translation says, consecrate a fast. Another translation, KJV says, sanctify a fast, which means to set apart, to keep a fast apart for something special. Not just to, not just, you know, uh, do this like one of the other fasts, but keep this as a special fast, something that you would not do on other days. And if you see what God spoke to the Israelites when God had to reveal himself to them, it was the same terminology. Consecrate yourself today because tomorrow the Lord is going to appear for you. The Lord is going to make himself known to you. And, and on the day of consecration, there were so many things that they had to change. They had to take a bath. They had to uh, avoid certain Behavior. They they couldn't go into certain areas of the camp, they couldn't go near the mountain where Moses would be encountering the presence of God. There were so many restrictions that was laid upon the people because this was a season of consecration, because it was a season where the Lord was calling them into a deeper level of sacrifice. Now, you know, when we call for a fast, it's very easy to say that, okay, I'm fasting from a meal and I'm fasting from, a, from physical food. But, but can we see our fast as a, as a season, as a time of consecration where we can disconnect from everything that is not of God, everything that is not of God. And even as we do that for this 31 days, may it become a habit, may it become a lifestyle, may it become part and parcel of your whole life. Maybe be like the Nazarites that would have a vow, you know. Some people, when you know they would make a vow before God, they would make a vow saying, till this comes to pass or till so and so thing comes to pass, I will not drink wine and I will not cut my hair and all of those things. And, and once those things will happen or when, once, like for example, if they have made a vow before God saying, God, till I don't get a good job, I'm not going to drink wine or I'm not going to cut my hair. Nazarites, those were the two things, okay? They would say, till I don't do this, till I don't get this, I will, I will fast or I will consecrate myself in these areas. But the difference between normal vows and the Nazarite vows were that these Nazarites, they were expected to keep their vows for life. You know, when God spoke to um, Samson's parents, it said no razor would touch his hair for life, for his entire life. The same thing for John the Baptist. The same thing for Samuel. Samuel was a Nazarite too. The same thing for so many other people who would, for all through their life, they would be consecrated. They would be set apart. And so often, our... You know, the sad story of the church is that we are consecrated towards a particular event or a a particular thing. Growing up, I would be consecrated towards the communion service that would happen on a Sunday morning. I know those Sunday mornings. Our church, the communion service would be alternate Sundays. And, And if you have to take part in the communion, then the deal was that you need to be consecrated. You need to be, your heart and your mind should be in the right place. So the consecration would be towards the uh, communion service. And once the communion service is done, you go back to your normal self, you go back to your usual self, are, you know. But before the communion service, everybody would be in that holy reverential fear of God. Can you imagine what would our lives be like if we would live like that? If, if we would live in a state of consecration, if we would live in a state of sanctification, if we would live... A fasted lifestyle, a fasted lifestyle, where our, our, f- fasting would surpass the natural physical realm, and it will hit the, the, the emotional realm, and it will hit our spiritual realm. That we would begin to fast from things that we know this is not something that is going to edify me, and I, I, I want to, I want to maintain a distance from this one thing because. I know that this is not going to edify me. And I I, I know that this is not God's will for me and I want to keep my distance from this. I I pray that in this season, the Lord will speak to us as a church of things that we have to disconnect from together as a community, together as a family, that that we will make that a lifestyle for the days ahead. That this will not just be something that we will do only during these 31 days, that we will cut those things off for our entire life. That we will say no to those things. We will say no to those practices. They may not even be sinful practices, but they may be defiling practices. They may not be necessarily impure things, but may be things that will cause you to lose your consecration, your sanctity. You know, your 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 your, your willingness, your ability to carry the carry and host the presence of God in all seriousness you know the Bible talks about how we can speak words that can quench the presence of the Holy Spirit in us the book of Ephesians chapter 4 we can, we can you, you know uh, let me just find that scripture for you Ephesians chapter 4 if you guys find it before me let me know Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 Can you pull it up on the screen so we can read it out together the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 onwards Thank You Holy Spirit Thank You Holy Spirit are you ready? 28 onwards not just 28 28 onwards we'll read till verse 30 Okay, if you are a thief, what do you do? You have to quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. First is if you are a thief, then you're gonna quit stealing. Verse 2, the next verse. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The next line, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember that he has identified you as your own and has guaranteed that you will be saved on the day of Redemption. Go to go to verse 31. Let's read verse 31 too. It says in verse 31: get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all other types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. All of these behaviors our behaviors that can cause the Holy Spirit inside of us to be sorrowed. When we, what are those behaviors? Let's list them out, okay? From verse 28, when we steal or when we take what does not belong to us, it may be money, it may be a relationship, it may be a, 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 a credit, that anything that, that we take that doesn't belong to us, that is stealing. The Bible says, if you're a thief, you need to quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need. So if you steal, what do you do? You bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. The next verse it says, don't use foul or abusive language. So when we do that, when we use our words in a foul, in an abusive way, what do we do? We are bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. The next line, let everything that you say, go back, go back. Let everything that you say be good and helpful. See, there are some things that may not necessarily be foul and abusive, but it's also not good and helpful. You understand what I'm saying? We love to, you know, be in the center. We are like, oh, I didn't swear. I didn't call him names. But was it good and Helpful if your word was not good and helpful, if it was not causing encouragement to those that heard that, then that was bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. It says, Do not cause sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember that He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, Anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. All of these things. If we have bitterness, we are bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit who is inside of us. If we have rage, rage is not something that comes all the time. It may come in that one moment, one weak moment, that rage that comes. At that point, you just brought sorrow to God's Holy Spirit who lives inside you. Harsh words, it may, it, it, you know, it may even be helpful, but if it is harsh, then it may bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And if you are slandering people, what is slander? Slander is, is technically, uh, uh, that is gossip, backbiting is gossip, but slander is defaming a person, defaming a person. That you're, 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 you're putting a person down publicly before other people. That is slander. All of these things bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, instead of this, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That, if you and I, if we can live like this, kind, to, kind with each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, then we are living a fasted lifestyle. We are we are we living a fasted lifestyle, fasting from uh, in the way that we speak our words. I hope you listen to this morning's podcast. It was also about how we use our words, how you can be foolish with your words. And when we do not do that, we are living, we are not living a fasted lifestyle. And so when we are talking about Joel chapter 1, verse 14, and 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 the Lord is saying. Announce a fast or announce a a season, a time of fasting. It is not just about skipping meals. It is also about skipping certain kind of words that we will speak, certain kind of lifestyle that we will emit, certain kind of behavior towards each other. Let's read Joel chapter 1 verse 14 once again. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple, into the presence, into the, into the place where we gather. Bring them all into the temple of the Lord. And what do you do over there? We cry out to Him over there. For what? For those things that bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. For those things that are against the fast in our life. Let's go to verse 15. The Bible says, The day of the Lord is... Near the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. So the Lord is speaking to us and He is giving us a prophetic word that the Lord is going to bring judgment in the days to come. Yes, mercy was already released 2,000 years back. But the days are coming when judgment is being released. Now, you may say... uh, doesn't judgment happen after the Antichrist and at the end of times? But if you read the scripture, you would see the Bible says in the book of Peter that judgment will begin with the house of the Lord. Not in the world outside. It will first begin with God's house. So when God releases judgment, it does not begin with Pharaoh and with the Nebuchadnezzar and with the, uh, the, the wicked rulers out there. It first begins with the church The Lord will bring judgment into the church The Lord is about to bring ex- uh, He's about to expose things that are hidden He's about to bring to light Things that are being done in secret So the Lord is saying Alas, the day of the Lord is near The day when destruction comes from the Almighty How terrible will that day be? So why, what should we do? We should we should repent and we should fast and we should get back into the right place before that day comes, right? Now, there are, there, are, there is multiple significance for this day, you know, this particular day that we are reading about in Joel chapter 1. We will come back to it again in chapter 2 and again in chapter 3 and we will try to study all the significance of what will happen in that day. But one thing that I want to clearly emphasize tonight is that there will be judgment in the house of the lord there will be judgment in the house of the lord there will be there will be nobody who will be spared nobody who will be spared just because you think that you know nobody doubts you nobody questions you no even even in the church things shall be exposed that's what god is saying let's read verse 16 the bible says in verse 16 our food disappears before our very eyes No joyful celebrations are held in the house of our God. So all of these are reasons why we should be fasting and praying. All of these are reasons why we should be having a fasted, a consecrated lifestyle. All of these reasons. Why? One, because the the day of the Lord is coming. Because it is going to bring, because our lifestyle is bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And, and because of our food, it is disappearing before our very own eyes. And because our joyful celebrations are coming to an end. And there is, there is no happiness in the presence of God. You know, according to Scripture, the presence of God is where there should be fullness of joy. Right? That's what the Bible says in Psalm 16. But why is it that when we come into the presence of God, we go back with as heavy a heart as when we came into the, into the presence of God the first time. Why, do we, why is it that we go back so heavy and upset and bitter and angry and filled with rage? With The same way that we came is the same way that we go back. Why is there no joy? It is because there is no fasted or consecrated lifestyle. So the Lord is calling us to that this evening. We'll continue to study this in detail as the days go by. But can we pray for these few things tonight? And can we say, Lord, we want to see these things come to pass in my life. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman. I want to be a church. We want to be a church that is going to be consecrated, Lord. That is going to be consecrated. That is going to be set apart, God. That is going to be unlike anybody else. That is going to be different from everybody else. Yes, Lord, we want to be that church. Yes, yes, we want to be that church that is not going to give in to those attitudes or those behaviors that is going to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit.